Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 136 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Libraries podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. Okay, we, uh, we're not even going to do any sort of recap of the week because every week yeah, is I, wild. Yeah, I, we got to knock this out. I can't keep up this pace, 2021. Every, some news happening, some wilds happening Yeah, every this is week. supposed to be my relaxing year. Um, so for us, obviously, you know, the week before this comes out, um, Donald Trump was just impeached again. So I'm going to be honest. When can I stop hearing about politics for five minutes? Like, I miss other things in the news. I really do. It's been a long four years, man. That we It's all we have to hear about every day in the news. I'm hoping that maybe like starting next week, we don't have to deal with this stuff every single day. I, I want to believe you so badly, but I feel like, you know, we're not the only people who are tired of it. People are escaping. I heard, you know, more um, downloads happened mm-hmm. with streaming services. Podcasting um, is up like 30%. Podcasting is up. Book sales actually didn't suffer like as much. And the Buffalo, Erie mm-hmm. County Library system here, we had our downloadable books. Did you see how many we had in 2020? Oh, I did. But why don't you drop that little hot number? One million downloads. One million people. A million people taking our advice and went onto the library's website. Well, a million items. It could just be six people who really are voracious. Well, you know, six six of one, half dozen of the other. I don't know that that would be possible. I will spin these numbers I'm in those numbers. I downloaded um, many, many e-books this year. Oh, yeah, for sure. I pretty much always have a print book. And I used to carry it around, so if I got stuck, you know, waiting for an oil change or this and that, I've left those ways behind. I have my print book at home, and then I always have an ebook on my phone so that I can, you know, be out and about and you, just do that. They're really the best. You are dedicated. Like, do you got the books that you're bringing them to the auto shops and such? Oh, I bring them everywhere. Well, what else are you gonna do? Well, I wa- I'm not. I don't. I wanna... watch TV on my phone. When yeah, I'm I don't. I always gotta have headphones with me because when people like try to talk to me in public, I'm like, ugh, get get out of here, man. Like, Look what are you that. doing? Pure gentleman there. <laughs> so yeah, so books have always been the great escape, and twenty. 2020 was a great year for books as well. So we love to do our end of the year episodes. We've been I've been pushing the movie one off because some of the 2020 big titles are just coming out yeah, and streaming. Like, there's a whole 10 movies that came out last year. So. I know. So I think maybe in another week or two and then we're going to do our top films. Um, I'm going to make Michelle watch Eurovision, everybody. It, I it, watched it, Jacob. I'll make you watch it again. And that movie was it. stupid. <laughs> I also could not get over, like, Andrew and I paused it and had, like, a 10-minute conversation about the fact that your top Spotify song was that stupid song from the movie. Oh, yes, it was. How can you just listen to that in your regular life? That was a stupid song. Because it pops up my running playlist all the time, and, man, it just Does nothing else pop up on your 2020 running playlist since that was your number one song you saw the spotify it, they, it does not know maybe uh like that I... song from mannequin 2 nothing gonna stop us now i will get okay, some well, starship that's, going that's fine that <laughs> i respect but so yeah so we wanted to do something a little different with our top books of the year jacob is going to be discussing some of the best books of 2020 he did a, an interesting little thing to get the cream of the crop here which he'll talk about and then i am just going to do my top books of 2020 but 
note here, not every book that I read that is on my list was published in 2020. So you might get some old books. But they're still going to be good, as opposed to my usual recommendations, which are questionable. That's why he's only allowed to do the top of 2020, not the top of his brain, because I care about the listeners. Well, that, I, <laughs> I, I read a grand total of three fiction books. It was a big nonfiction wow, year did for you, me. you used to be such a big reader. What happened? No, no, I, did, I still read. It was nonfiction this year. That's I was all. Oh, well, that's fine. But, you know, why I, don't you tell us, before we even start, though, since tell us what your favorite 2020 book was. You must have one. Oh, well, out of, out of the books, it was definitely, uh, I'm, like, I'm a Ken Follett head, man. I finally got through Evening evening in the Morning. Oh, of course. That was so, your favorite book. Yeah, I was all about that one, man. It's a thousand-page book. I read it in about like four days. Wow. Once I got sucked in, man, I was, I'm all about it. Also, you know what? Ballads of Songbirds and Snakes, the other one of the two, uh, second of the three books I read. Oh, okay. Very much a fan of that one. Looking forward to the movie trilogy they're going to somehow make out of that book. I'm sure that they will. Yeah, you do love The Hunger Games. And, and okay. Then, and then uh, yeah, I finally read four, Fahrenheit 451, which I never read before. Okay. So, That's a nice short book. Yeah. It was a nice little thing. I'm like, oh, great. There Dystopian um, <laughs> prophecies 100 years ago that came true. Yeah, awesome. No, none of that feels, none of that feels <laughs> great. But okay, let's get into some of the best. So for me, I'd say probably my favorite book was a 2020 published book. It's called Migrations by Charlotte McConney. We actually talked about it in our upcoming books episode before these things were out. And I was like, this sounds interesting. And, that, and I can tell you that it was. See, we nailed it, everybody. <laughs> yeah. So the book is about Franny Stone. She has always been the kind of person who is able to love people but is unable to stay in one place. So leaving behind everything in her life except her research gear, she ends up traveling to Greenland and she has this very singular purpose, which is to follow the last Arctic turns in the world because after global warming, there's there's like no birds left. So she wants to follow these turns on what might be their final migration to Antarctica. So she talks her way onto a fishing boat, and then she and the crew set sail, and they're traveling even further from shore and kind of further from safety because these Arctic turns take the wildest migration you've ever heard of in your life. And then, like, her history begins to unspool, and you hear about, like, love affairs in her life, an absent family, a devastating crime um, that... She may or may not have committed. And it becomes clear that she's kind of chasing more than just birds. So that is the premise. Um, I found it really just visceral and haunting and intimate. You know, it's not a perfect book. It has moments where it can feel kind of flimsy, like maybe things are moving along a little too where you're like, really? Uh, really? Like, that's what happened? A little but bit too convenient on some of the uh, things? A little bit of that. But I think the novel's prose, it really soars she has these really transporting descriptions of the planet's landscape and the you know dwindling inhabitants that are on it and especially in this book and it contains a lot of wonderful meditations on like our responsibilities to earth and the other inhabitants on it so and i'm really into kind of what we're doing to the earth ideas and that that we're doing a horrible job yes, taking care of it yes um so yeah it's a, it's a story about mingling sorrows both personal and global, and then the survivor's guilt that will be left in their wake. So I was really, 
transfixed and moved by this book. So that's my number one recommendation for the year. I can say it's not going to be for everyone, but I definitely like books that have like a sad edge to them. So that's an, a personal preference, but I, I think it's worth checking out. I always like books where I know that we can eventually move it from one section to the other because since that's for, you know, global devastation, I can't oh, yeah, wait to sadly. move it to the to the nonfiction <laughs> section of 2025. Don't say, don't say that. <laughs> that actually sounds really good, actually. I, I, it, I like when they kind of wrap and it's Personal just the way where it, it really just it flows in a way that it just carries you along with it. So check out migrations. All right, what? Tell us what you did here with your best of list. All right, so I decided to put in some work this week. Okay. So what I did was I went around some websites and I started gathering info on which books were appearing on the most best of list, and I kind of just picked my choices from there. Oh, so you went to like multiple best of lists like New York Times etc New York Times Goodreads like uh even the um, like when you do the Google search for like shop books okay. like the top books that were for sale for the past year Yeah there's oh. so many best of lists that it's hard at the end of the year to really know yeah. You're like, I can't read all of these. So these are the ones that are on those the most? Yes. So okay, I, cool. I kind of remember, I forgot to write down exactly how many lists I found these on, but it was a bunch. And none of these are from the Uproxx uh, books of the year. So, you know, they're actually going to be of good quality. So I just wanted to get that out there. I don't know what that means. I know that's an online joke for like three people out there, but. Oh, cool. They are knee slapping right not now. not one of those three. <laughs> okay. All right. So the first book I'm going to pick is one that I actually started reading. Uh, it was on 15 of the best of list okay. which is the lowest number on here but still dark. wow impressive. really so every book was on more than 15 lists more than 15 which oh, okay is, that's know. good to know so this one is called blacktop wasteland by s.a cosby huh. uh i never heard of it the cover was interesting you know just a, just a car so i'm like all right we're gonna have a drive situation and we kind of ended up having one so what this book is about it's about beauregard bug montage <clears throat> who is a father and a mechanic. You, you don't like the name Beauregard over there? I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> I, it's a little old school. I'll give you that much. So he's an honest car mechanic who was at one time known as the best getaway driver on the East Coast. Cool. But he gave all that up because he got a family. And you kind of see where this is going. His business is having trouble. He needs he, one last ride. One last score <laughs> to get back into the game. So he decides to get back with his old, uh, old boss and to try to make some money. And, you know, wackiness ensues. Now, what makes this interesting is that where he lives now, he not only has to deal with his past and the fact that he's being a criminal, but there's also a bunch of racial prejudices in the small town that he's in. So it's interesting to see how he has to deal with all of these prejudices. It's set in modern times, too. Okay. Is he a black character? He or is, is, yes. Okay. So the way they actually wrote it, it's very conversational, like... They don't, it's not one of those ones where they're overusing profanity or any kind of stuff like that, but the way the um, characters talk to each other, it actually sounds like people conversing. Okay. Um, and the plot, you know, whenever you get into a diamond car chase and a getaway driver, you always get my um, interest peaked a little bit. Well, that's interesting because I would think a book about car chases would be stupid, but to appear on so many best of lists, it's obviously pretty good. Oh yeah, and I got it. Yeah, it sucked me in in the first like right right off the bat. I'm like, I like where this is going. There's some okay. violence. There's some some crime shenanigans. I, I can get Nicolas Cage kind of gone in sixty seconds oh thing God. going on here. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, that sounds good. Um, okay, another book. I'm gonna do every other of fiction book and nonfiction book because okay. um, I read quite a bit of both. Being home a lot. I read a lot of books this year. Why I think did, I read why did something happen. I think I read seventy six. 
76. I think that was my number. You know, there's 52 weeks in a year. It's yeah, I know. Well, that's because you have to think, like, I'm always reading a fiction book. I always have a book on my phone, and I'm always listening to an audio book. So oh. with all of those things happening at once, you end up reading a lot of books. I'm Yeah, I'm going to get through Harold and the Purple Crayon this year. I'm telling <laughs> you. I'm like three-fourths of the way through. If you like that, boy, do I have a display <laughs> for you at the library. But um, <laughs> So this book would be The Hidden Life of Trees, What oh. They Feel, How They Communicate, Discoveries from a Secret World by Peter Wollenbend. Ooh, is this a Lord of the Rings book? Because I got some Ents going on here. <sighs> this book was the antidote to 2020. Oh, okay. This book was one of the best things that has ever happened to me. And I'm not even kidding. Oh. I love this book so much. It is romantic and scientific. This man's view of the forest calls on everyone to reevaluate their relationship with the plant world. Because he starts by asking us, like, are trees social beings? And you're like, not a trees. Yeah. And then he goes into everything and convincingly makes the case that the forest is totally a social network. He draws on groundbreaking scientific discoveries to describe how trees are like human families. Tree parents live together with their children. They communicate with them. They support them as they grow. They share nutrients with trees who are sick and struggling. They warn each other of impending dangers. It is mind-blowing Jacob like this is the wildest true stuff that I ever read you learn about this like immediately after like I went into the woods and was walking around and like it's not the same experience like for example you know I don't want to give all these things in the book away because I could talk about it ad nauseum oh, like sure. forever but so let's say trees are hanging out being trees in a forest and like a draft comes up and the draft like yum yum it starts eating the leaves of a tree sure so that tree is like yo, I don't like this happening. So it starts to send up to its leaves like a bitter taste, but it also sends out the message to all the trees like there is a predator, he's going to come eat. So they all do it. So they all mm. send this up to their leaves so that the giraffe, once he's like, this tree is now gross, all of the trees around it are gross. Oh, okay. And I mean, there was so many things, like how it learned where trees were like, hey, we drop our seeds. And then they were like, but then the animals come and eat all our seeds. So the trees learned like, okay, we're not going to drop our seeds for a couple of years because they learned then that the animals don't have like these saplings and things to eat. Animals die out more when there's fewer then, then they'll drop their seeds because they know there are less chances of animals coming up and eating them. I don't like the idea of trees being sentient. Um, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> so don't walk by trees and like cut them and cut their bark and do things like that. That actually really affects them. That like lets, you know, um, bacteria in and stuff like that. It's a great book, everyone. I I'm going to stop or I'll never stop. But The Hidden Life of Trees wonderful wonderful book i in the back of my head like i was imagining like in a deep dark forest a tree falls and then there's just somebody going no no they're actually jazzed yeah. because that's actually great for the forest oh then too <laughs> todd why did you go ahead and well, maybe, fall? maybe there's a little bit of that i actually went 
after I finished it and bought the book, The Secret Life of Plants, which I haven't read yet. And I'm hoping I go on an equal journey there. Are you just are you going around just like punching ivy? Like, here you go, trying try to take down my trees. I've just given up on people, so I have to make friendships elsewhere now. Michelle's so. just out here <laughs> punching lumberjacks, so that way they, 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 they know trees got shooters out here for. This is correct. So, okay, what else? Oh, God, Michelle punching lumberjacks. I think we just figured out the what's going to be the theme for the new season of Dexter. I don't hate it. <laughs> All right, so here we go. The next one I'm going to go with, this one appeared on 17 best book of the year list. Okay. So that is The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. Oh, I read that. Oh, is it any good? Yeah. I was yes, hoping so, was. considering it appears on 17 list. It yes, it was. <laughs> so uh, the reason this one caught my eye is it got picked up by HBO. So that's going to be a oh, TV show. Oh, of course it out. did. Mm-hmm. It it. Of course, it's going to be. As soon as I read nonlinear structure and, uh, you know, female author, I'm like, well, Nicole Kidman and HBO can't buy this. And it's race relations, which. Right. Yes. Happily is, you know, something you're seeing more of. So what it is, it's a multi-generational family saga set between the 40s and the 90s uh, that centers on identical twin sisters, Desiree and Stella. And then, uh, you know, they live growing up in Louisiana. They watch their father get lynched, which, you know, is going to affect pretty much you anybody think. and it's basically them growing up in new orleans and louisiana living through some of the most consequential moments in you know world, um world history so yes but is that is that the only synopsis you have well that's pretty much you know it, oh you missed the whole crux of the book well what i, I kind of defer to you because now that i know somebody actually read well, it well the whole big crux is that these two twin sisters who are black or not maybe they're not twins no, they're definitely don't. identical twins. Okay. That one I can tell you for sure. But one is very, very um, dark skin, and one is very, very light skin. Oh, they did not mention that part. Oh. oh. And then okay. one kind of ends up living oh, so like I see a what different you're sort of life. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see Regina King and Amy Adams play this on TV. Yeah, I mean, pretty much that's what it would have to Okay, you know what? That's that's got my interest. I'm just thinking of them. It's gonna be so. so It's gonna be the greatest show ever, man. (laughs) They're gonna be brows furrowed everywhere. Like, what is this? this Yeah, but it was a good book. Good choice. All right. Good research. Thank you. Look at that. (laughs) Okay, so um, another book. This is fiction. This also came out this year. It was called A Paragon by Colum McCann. Which I had to look up 90 times how to spell before I actually remember. Paragon. A you, paragon. You, ma'am, are obviously not a gamer. No, I know what it is now. I looked up what the word meant. But, okay, so this book is about, we have Bassam, who's Palestinian, and Rami, who is Israeli. And they just inhabit a world of conflict, which colors every aspect of their lives, from the road they're allowed allowed to drive on, the schools their children attend, the checkpoints, the physical and emotional just stress in life that they have to negotiate every day. But their lives um, are upended one after another. So first, Rami's 13-year-old daughter becomes the victim of suicide bombers. And a decade later, Bassam's 10-year-old daughter is killed by a rubber bullet. So these two men have been raised to hate one another. And yet when they learn of one another's stories and they recognize that loss, it kind of connects them. And then together they attempt to use their grief as a weapon for peace. What is extraordinary 
um, about this is that Colin McCann met the real Bassam and Rami, who are real people, on a trip with the with this nonprofit organization, Narrative Four. Oh. So he met these men, and he was so moved by their willingness to share their stories with the world, and by their hope that if they could see themselves in one another, then perhaps others could too. So it's it's really all of their stories, but then he puts you know adds yeah, a little, little flourish on there yes so it has like those nonfiction aspects but it's really ambitious and it's incredibly moving to see what a journey these men had to take to just look at each other and be like oh wait we're just we're just like the same people like okay you know we're brought up to hate one another but like why and now their lives are tough because they're always like advocating you know rami's israeli and he's constantly advocating for the palestinians and being like this is ridiculous we are ruining their lives and things like that it was a really good book and that's a that's a definitely a timely conflict like that's a big problem i like, mean sadly society. a timely conflict forever literally forever as far back <laughs> i mean which is so upsetting so i don't know this is one of those books that i'm like this could make change like people just need to really read it and understand so highly re i highly recommend such a good book. I, every once in a while, I would like books to actually be happy. <laughs> Nothing that I artists a, ever say is good is happy. It's kind of a, a twenty twenty one goal for me is to maybe read things a little a little lighter. Yeah, I read a lot of really heavy stuff. As my list will continue. I know. I mean, jeez, jeez. <laughs> oh well. Now for the lighter. Oh, that's right. My next book's about something horrible too. All right. So my next one appeared on seventeen of the year's best of okay. lists. Uh, it is Deacon King Kong by James McBride. That is the current audiobook I'm listening to. Is it? Yes. Oh, we'll see there. I'm picking good ones here. You are. So in September 1969, a fumbling, cranky old church deacon known <laughs> as Sporkoat shuffles into the courtyard of the um, Cause House Project in South Brooklyn. Yeah. And he pulls a 38 from his pocket and shoots the project drug dealer at point blank range. He does. Man, that's a great opening. Basically, what this book is then, it goes about everybody in the neighborhood and how it affects them, why it happened, how it affects the dynamics in the neighborhood. Um, it's really funny. The way that people's <laughs> lives over intertwine. Uh, another one, I, you know there's going to be a show. Like, we both know. Like, Well, his last book the, is The Good Lord Bird, which became the, is a show right now with Ethan Hawke. Oh, that's right. Ooh, that's a good show. Did you ever you watch any of that? I haven't yet, mm, no. Check it out. Same yeah. Recommendation. Um, but yeah, the way that these people's lives overlap, um, it's got, it sounds like a really cool structure. The fact that you're reading it tells me alone that yeah, it's, it's going to be worth checking out. And the fact, it's I very enjoyable. It's very enjoyable. It is funny. That's I mean, not the, what the I sport coat character, it's funny because you get the thing like he shot him, but it's not even what you think. It wasn't like him being like, I'm going to shoot shoot this drug dealer at all in any way. Really? Because <laughs> so, I kind of imagine it like an American gangster with the uh, Denzel Idris. Elvis no, scene. I'll give you because it's early in the book. Maybe it's a light spoiler, but he was he was really just drunk and 100 percent confused. Didn't mean to shoot him at all. Really likes the guy. Oh, <laughs> So okay, and then there's a lot, there's a lot like that. Like there's a lot of misunderstanding and weirdness, and you know it's one of those books that in the end, it's gonna all come together. Like all of these separate characters are gonna overlap and know each other. You know what I mean? And I like stories like that. <sighs> it sounds awesome. Yeah, sounds, sounds like Crash only good. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> all right, so uh, one more real quick. Uh, this 
breeze through it. Uh, Leave the World Behind by Ruman Alam. Another book that sounds pretty awesome to me. It does. It's getting mixed reviews. It, I'm not surprised, just judging by the subject matter. It basically about this couple who moves out to a remote corner of Long Island expecting a vacation. But uh, a couple shows up and tells them that they live there and that the entire world is ending outside and they don't have access to the internet or TV or radio. So they don't know if it's true or if these people are making it up or what's going on. I love it. Oh, that's just a great setup. I'm excited to read that. So go check that one out, everybody. I'm not even going to get any more deep into it because that's a heck of a setup and that should be enough to make you want to read it. Honestly, that is. You're like, and in. Yeah. So I'm confused, though. I've been ignoring reading the reviews but i've seen a lot of like people are giving it five stars or like one star so it's very polarizing which i love which probably means i'm gonna like it because when that's when it jumps between that much usually uh, it's usually something i'm i'm iffy i don't know which which way i'll fall well that's because i like trash and you usually like good stuff so that's (laughs) why i like depressing stuff like my next book Uh, so another nonfiction. this was not a 2020 book but it's called Evicted, Poverty and Profit in the American City by Matthew Desmond. Friend of the show. Um, I obviously felt compelled with everything that's going on in, in evictions to mm-hmm. read a book about that. And this was written by a Princeton um, sociologist and MacArthur Genius Award winner, Matthew Desmond. I know. I finished in second. He beat me out just barely. Yeah. It follows eight <laughs> families in Milwaukee as they each are struggling to just literally keep the roof over their heads. It is a really wrenching and revelatory book and it helps like transform your understanding of poverty and economic exploitation. But he provides kind of some fresh ideas for solving one of, I'd say, our century's most devastating problems. Um, it's it's hard to read at times. Like well, people get evicted. There's just so much misunderstanding of why people get evicted and what leads to it and it is just not like lazy people not paying or not taking care of their property like that is not it at all so many of these properties that poor people have to rent are disgusting and practically destroyed and they don't have running water and they don't have this and that and they'll like complain and landlords are like then you're evicted yeah like it's a really easy thing to do so it's a really gripping and moving and tragic book but um I do read a lot of social justice books, and I'd say this is one of the best ones that I ever read. All it's right. very, very accessible. Sweet. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> Sweet. Here's a funny one. I read a funny book. Did you? Okay. Um, and this All right, is, let's go. I'm, I'm paying attention. This is a 2020 book. It's called Solutions and Other Problems by Ellie Broch. Do you huh. know her? I do not know. Oh, I love her so much. Okay, so this is a chick. She started a blog. Like a long time ago with her drawings. Remember blogs, everybody? Yeah, I know. Her drawings, which are awful. They're super, like, pretty terrible, simplistic drawings. But she would talk about her childhood and her depression, which is pretty severe. And then that ended up turning into a book called Hyperbole and a Half. And now this is the second part of that many, many years later. And again, like, she talks about... She, like, dissects her own character flaws. She has very bad animals that she's always talking about her pets. And it covers grief and loneliness and the absurdity of modern life. And it's just, like, someone is talking about their mental illness and you are just laughing out loud. But, like, that is, like, her intention. It's a laugh-until-you-cry kind of book. And, like I said, her drawings are, like, the worst, but in the best way possible. Yeah, that makes it endearing. Allie Broche is a national treasure. Go check her stuff out. Read Hyperbole 
and a half first and then read the solutions and other problems. Okay. Go do it. Um, oh, we're so running out of time, but I have so many more books. Okay, let me just mention a couple. Well, you did read 79 books or whatever. 76. Um, Such a Fun Age by Kelly Reed. People know about that book. It was like one of the biggest books of 2019. It was awesome. It's totally going to be a show. Um, it's like a affluent white woman and then her babysitter who is black and the babysitter ends up getting confronted one night when she has their toddler in a grocery store because it's like a high-end supermarket Mm -hmm. and they're pretty much accusing her of stealing this kid because she's black and it gets recorded that goes on the internet and it's kind of just like showing their two lives it's really really interesting it's a it's a good kind of race relations book that's like just a genuine like story of like here's a moment of one of those things happening really really liked it all right um francis mcdormand and zendaya we're looking at you for that. <laughs> oh see you like that the huh? francis mcdormand doesn't work oh, it we'll needs to be like a younger attractive speaking of francis oh, mcdormand nicole I c- kim and it is oh i am s- okay <laughs> we're not even gonna get into it i like nicole kidman but we got to can we, we pause tone, on tone, her? Tone down is she a the bit? only woman accepting work right now? Apparently on TV she is. I, I'm with you there. I'm with. I agree with you. What there. did they just cast her in that I was like, oh no, this is the worst. Come on, you're I'll, always I'll, in my I'll, head. A million things probably. <sighs> she, just another. She's gonna do another Hugh Grant undoing or something. Like that. It's just too much. Um, she okay. was in that movie Prom too. Don't well, don't even get me started on that thing. No, I don't want to watch Prom. Although it's coming up on people's best of lists. Well. It's, it, we'll talk about it some other I'm time. still not interested. Okay. Um, a nonfiction book, Hidden Valley Road, Inside the Mind of an American Family by Robert Kochler. Are these the guys that made the ranch dressing? I, I wish. <laughs> oh, I would read that book. I love ranch so much. I'm not even going to get into this. I'm just going to give you one sentence of what this is about. Okay? okay. You ready? Got it. This is a story. We have a mid-century American family. They have 12 children, and six of them end up diagnosed with schizophrenia. Ooh. Whoa! <laughs> what a right? What a fun trip, huh? <laughs> that is, it, it's it's totally crazy, it's and it, a, it's a lot of like what goes on inside their house, how that worked out, and how they ended up being a family that is studied throughout time by the National Institute of Mental Health. Yeah, like they learned they, a lot about schizophrenia. Well, how, yeah, surprise! The parents didn't pull a Hansel and Gretel in that scenario, man. Like that's that's rough. It it's really rough. I can. Oof, it's oof. rough to read because. And a lot of them were, it was all males and they were like close in age and like the fights that they would have. And nope. it's also just really, really sad. To, you know, like mental illness, you're just constantly like, that's a really unfair shake. How do you even, it's hard to even imagine for a second that your brain turns on you and is creating things that are not happening but are to you. Yeah. That is one of the most unfair things imaginable Remember, there's a 50 50 chance that the uh, you write the now the listener are just sitting in a room drooling on yourself imagining all of this there's more than a 50 for 50 chance of that happening i mean i don't know that schizophrenics are drooling oh because they're medicated no i'm saying? not talking about schizophrenics i'm saying that you yourself could be crazy and not even know it right now this could all be an illusion everybody what is real reality is a construct you're just a weird 
kind of bad person. Um, okay, I have more, but we got to wrap it up. So we got to wrap it up. Uh, Jacob, why don't you plug us up? So everything that you heard on All Booked Up is going to be available at your local library. We got 37 branches all throughout Erie County. So stop on by. Um, check out our website, www.buffalolib.org, to see our um, hours if they're modified or anything, or just see if we have something in stock. Check out your account online. Download those ebooks. Let's go for two million next year. I, I was think thinking. We can do it, I think we can do it. We can double it. Up. <laughs> and also, don't forget to follow us at All Booked Up Pod on Twitter. Let us know your book recommendations and anything else that uh, you want to bring up. Yeah. And now, because 2020 is over and it was awful, yep, I searched for a couple good things that happened in the year. Okay. Well, okay. Here's a couple interesting things, at least. I got a minute. Did you know that an extinct? They discovered that an extinct species of monkey crossed the Atlantic on its own. Nope. They realized. So they found ancient teeth from Peru, and they hint that this now extinct monkey it crossed the Atlantic from Africa to South America at some point. How did that monkey do that? Yeah, his little volleyball friend Wilson as they were going across the water. I mean, I love it. I like that story. Um, thanks to stay-at-home orders, animal shelters are more empty than they have ever been. Sweet. That's nice. That's a nice Hopefully one. Hopefully they stay that way. Um, I've, I liked some of these like U.S. National Science Foundation facts, but it is likely that there are more than 11 species of fish that can walk on land. Oh, boy. We gotta nip this in the bud, everybody. <laughs> you remember what happened last time a fish walked on the world and landed? It didn't work out for anybody. It's still not working out for anybody. Um, in 2020, hundreds of religious leaders called for a ban on conversion therapy. Good, good. Yeah, more than 370 religious leaders. That's really great. They discovered that there are four buried lakes on Mars. Not good. What? That's great. We'll have drinking water when we all live there because we're, does this planet's going nowhere. Or the Martians are going to be really mad when we show up and try to take their water, and that's how it all ends. Ooh. Yeah. See, Movie. Well, start writing it. Interesting story either way. And they discovered in 2020 that there is a coral reef in the Great Barrier Reef that is taller than the Empire State Building. Now that's cool. That that's is just sweet. a great thing to learn. Get to the bottom of that. We can go see some Cthulhu and nonsense going on. Oh, thanks, Internet. You helped a little bit. Okay, thank you guys so much for listening. We will have something about the end of the year next week. Next week we'll have some a kind of list. Love end of lists. Yep. And that's it. So we will catch you next time. Bye.